So here you go. Continuing with our sermon series, What If? Have you ever been a, I'll say, a victim of a surprise party? Anybody ever had a surprise party that got thrown on them? It's fun, but it's neat, but it's kind of shocking, right? Um, I've been, uh, I've had a couple of surprise parties thrown for me throughout my years. Uh, but one was not necessarily a party, but uh, several years back, just a little over three years ago, we had uh, little Andrew, and I will tell you this, when we found out we were going to have little Andrew, that was a surprise in and of itself. That was a big one. Um, I almost had a heart attack, but, you know, I was like, I'm old, and here he's coming. And so we were right in the middle of getting ready to plant a church. It's like, oh, perfect timing. That's great. And so but he's been the biggest blessing in the world. But when we brought him home from the hospital, uh, you know, our daughter Robin lives in Florida, so we don't get to see her as much as we'd like. And so we were bringing him home, and uh, oddly enough, because of flu restrictions, there used to be this thing called the flu that people got sick with. The kids couldn't come up and see him in the hospital, so we bring him home. This was really the first time our boys, uh, I believe besides Luke maybe, had seen him. Uh, the two younger ones at that point hadn't seen him. So we come in the house, we're all excited, they're all excited, and then around the corner comes our daughter Robin, away from Florida. Totally, totally surprises. I don't know why I'm so emotional today. Anyway, but I was totally shocked and surprised. And that made me think about surprises as I was preparing for this message and how oftentimes a surprise is a good thing. But have you ever been surprised in a bad way? I remember when I was a kid, um, believe it or not, I didn't always listen to my parents. And sometimes, you know, I would be up to something, doing something that I should not have been doing. And I'm thinking, man, I got plenty of time. I'm not going to get caught. Or maybe I was not doing what I was supposed to. You know, they give me some assignment or chore or something to do. And I'm like, I got time. You know, I'm chilling on the couch watching TV while I'm supposed to be doing whatever it was they told me to do. And then all of a sudden, I hear a car drive up the driveway. Hear that familiar door shut. Ever, ever felt that terror of your parents coming home and catching you either doing something you weren't supposed to or not doing something you're supposed to? That is bad. And I'm telling you, kids, don't, you know, don't judge your parents because they have been there too. But listen to what they say. You know, do what they say and you won't get in trouble. You won't have that experience. You won't have that fear. But a surprise when you don't expect it can be a really good thing and it can be a terrifying thing. And today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what if. And here's the what if that we're going to talk about. What if Jesus comes back today? What if Jesus comes back today? You see, that can be a very good thing. And I hope for people who are in Christ that they realize that that is a very good thing. But there are many people who don't know Jesus. And there are many people who have had a relationship with Jesus but have sort of wandered away from it. And it can also be a very terrifying thing. But I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter who you are, no matter if you're watching here in person, if you're watching online, that if you understand this truth, that it will help you tremendously, is that Jesus is coming back. And unfortunately, as Christians, we don't talk about it enough. You know, I catch myself many times loving this life and this world way too much. And there are a lot of good things in this world that God has given us. God is a giver of every good and perfect gift. But I have to remember that this world, no matter how good it may seem, is nothing compared to the goodness of living with God forever. And that when he returns, he will claim those who are his own, as we've sung about in so many ways. But we must be ready, and it's a shame that we as a church don't talk about it enough. But it's time for us to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back. If this past year has taught you anything, 
he could come back at any moment. It seems like this world is just spinning more and more into chaos. And the early church, even just a few years after Jesus ascended up into heaven and the church started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached that great gospel message and 3,000 people were baptized into Christ that day. They still looked every single day kind of one eye up to the sky because they thought he might be back tomorrow. And I love that. And they had their concerns and they had their fears. And the Apostle Paul, he writes the church in Thessalonica in the, in the book or the letter of 1 Thessalonians and addresses these fears they had. They simply misunderstood because here's what their fear was. Their fear was as Jesus did not come back each passing day, people who were believers died as, as it happens. And they started to get afraid that those who died wouldn't be alive, of course, when Jesus returned and therefore would not get to go and spend eternity in heaven with God. Because in their minds, they just knew that he was going to come back at any moment. And so they were like, if we want to go with him, we've got to be alive. They just missed that teaching of what Jesus had talked about and what the apostles and the New Testament prophets had talked about. So Paul comforts their fears here in 1 Thessalonians. If you've got a Bible you want to follow along, the scripture will be on the screen or you can look on your phone and, and follow along. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But here before we read it, I want you to understand this. I'm afraid, I have a fear that we've lost our anticipation of the second coming. I love, even though they misunderstood and they thought that if people died that they wouldn't be able to go to heaven with, with Jesus when he came back, I still love the fact that they were looking and thinking every day that today might be the day. And so I don't want to fault them because they didn't understand. They don't have, they didn't have the whole entire New Testament compiled together to be able to read. But we need to understand that we need to have that same mindset is that Jesus could come back at any moment. It could be today. What if Jesus came back today? And so Paul comforts their fears here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. He writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Some translations say ignorant. And that may sound like a put down, but all it means simply is just that, uninformed. You don't know what you don't know. And it says, but about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we did, this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, we're not going to spend a, a whole lot of time, but there's a few things I want us to think about in that passage right there. That, that one little section. First off is that Christians, believers, people who have given their lives to Jesus, don't need to grieve like those who don't have Jesus. Yes, we're heartbroken when we lose loved ones. And I mean... It's not wrong. Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew what he was getting ready to do. It, it breaks our hearts because we're not made to die. We did not, God did not make us to experience death, but we had our free will and we chose to sin and therefore death entered the world. And so now each person until Jesus comes back will die. And unless, he, unless you're living when he comes back. But we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. So I want you to have hope. Why? Because he says, 
those who have died in Jesus, those who have died in the Lord, when Jesus returns, their spirits will be brought back with him. And man, we'll find out that they've been living not the fullness necessarily, maybe, of having the whole, uh, the whole family of believers together. But they've been living in the paradise with God and experiencing things that we are longing to. And those that have died will come back and their spirits will be reunited with their resurrection body. So their bodies that were buried in the grave or, or cremated or, or burned in a fire or at a shipwreck and have long since gone, God by his power will bring those bodies back together and it will be a new perfect resurrection body and their spirit will be joined. And then guess what? Everybody who's still here gets to go too. Sign me up, y'all. I hope that y'all be a little more excited about that. <laughs> oh, we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm not dogging you because I get that way too. I forget just how good it's going to be. We don't have to deal with this junk anymore. It's a beautiful place and we got family, we got friends, we got our church family, we got all this stuff, but that's nothing. That's a glimpse, that's a, a speck, that's a spit in the ocean of all the goodness that we're going to experience for eternity with God in heaven. But here is what it will look like. He says, don't worry about this because those who are dead will be changed and they will be brought back. Their, their bodies will be raised up, their spirits reunited. And in verse 16, here's what it will look like. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Some translations talk about, and he will descend with a shout, and that trumpet will blast, and there will be no doubt that he is coming. It won't matter if, if Facebook, Facebook or Google shuts down, he still will get the word out. He will get the word out and we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is returning for his own. It says there again, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It says that he'll come, as we said, with that cry of command, that shout, a trumpet blast. I've told some of you this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it. But uh, many years ago, when I was at Roman Bible College, which is now Mid-Atlantic Christian University, uh, one of our traditions that we had that was always the most fun was this thing called Sneak Day. It was Senior Sneak Day. The seniors got to plan uh, a certain day where everybody got to just skip class and go do something fun. The seniors planned the activities. And what we did, because we're Bible College, uh, they made it sort of like the second coming. You had to sneak out and you had to, to, to get out here. And so what you would do is you would go and you would wake up the students and you would hopefully not awaken the professors, a lot of them who lived right next to campus or on campus. And the idea was that if the staff woke up, if the, if the teachers, the professors woke up, then it was all off and you had to go back into class. So everybody was super quiet. I mean, they were literally pushing cars down the street, that type of thing. So my class, when our senior year rolls around, we're like, we are going to get this done. We're going to have it be great. We had this cool activity planned. We're going to drive in, in uh, this really neat stuff, outdoor park. And so 
when it's our turn to go and wake up all the students, we're waking them up about 3 or 4 in the morning, real early in the morning. And we're going to try to sneak off the campus. And so my buddy, I was an RA. I had a key, a master key that opened everybody's room. And my buddy uh, had a trumpet that he played. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, it's on. <laughs> and so I'm going in. We literally open people's doors to their room while they're sleeping and get in their room really quietly. And then we stand there. And my friend Mike Lee blasts his trumpet like that. Man, people sat up in their beds. They thought Jesus was coming. They were freaking out. Hey! You know? I mean, because you wake up and you got two dudes standing in your room and they're play playing a trumpet. I mean, they just knew that Jesus was coming back and then they saw it was us and they were kind of disappointed. You know, um, but anyway, I just remember just how distinct that trumpet blast was. And that was just a man-made trumpet, a guy playing a trumpet. But what it will be like when that trumpet blasts when Jesus comes back? It's not a secret event, kind of like we tried to do, but it's, it's not a secret event. It's someone would, someone is going to do, oh gosh, I'm getting so ahead of myself. When Jesus returns for his church and with his church that's already gone to be with the Lord, everyone will know that it's time. It won't be a secret. It won't be a surprise. You know, we don't see in scripture about some being taken out ahead of time. It's like when he comes back, this is it. You're going to know the show has started and it's time to pay attention. And those who have already gone on, will their, their bodies will be raised. And those who are still here will be caught up in the air. It says that they will be lifted up into in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I've told you guys this before, too, but I cannot I believe with all my heart, so I have to say it and never have the opportunity. I can't wait to fly. I cannot wait to fly. I mean, it says that we're going to be caught up in the air. And I'm telling you, and I say this because I want y'all to be excited as I am, is that, if you know, we're not going to need any propulsion, but, you know, God's going to pull us up in the sky, those that are still here, if we're still here. But I am going to flap my arms anyway. Because I want to be the first. You know, I want to be the first one up there like, you know, and just get above everybody. I, I want to do it because that's always, I always dream that. I want to be able to fly. I believe I can fly. You know, that's, you know. Y'all, I'm going to hang out and get some excitement about yourself and watch Space Jam and stuff like that. But anyway. But hold on just a second. It's sad to say for me and maybe for you too that verse 18 is maybe not always true. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'm sad to say, but I feel like sometimes as a church, me included, that I don't necessarily think about the second coming as an encouragement. I kind of say, Lord, just wait a little while. Maybe you've been the same way. Maybe you're at a really good time in your life and you think, I just don't, I want Jesus to come back, but, you know, not today. You know, Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not ready to get in the van right now. You know, you know, and what it means is, is we're not prepared. We're not ready. We're not at least mentally prepared. We don't understand what we will be gaining compared to what we will be losing. Or we're not mentally prepared because we're not ready to be surrendered to him. Or, or fill in the blank, you know, we don't want to miss out on the sweet time in our life. But compared to how good it's going to be, this would be nothing. 
And we've got to be reminded that it's an encouragement for Jesus to be returning and that we as a church need to re remind each other and show each other and, and challenge each other, encourage one another with these words that Jesus is coming back and we will get to be with him forever. And I think it simply boils down to the fact that sometimes we've lost our first love, like Jesus says in the book of Revelation. We've forgotten our first love, and therefore the second coming is not an encouragement to us. But we have to remember, as we've said already this morning, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. We don't belong here, and if you're a believer and you don't realize that, more than ever I say this, repent. If you're a believer and you don't realize that this world is not our home and you're not excited about heaven, I just say, repent. And I know that's not popular, but I need repentance every day and you need repentance every day. And if you have gotten into the mindset and your heart has become hardened and you're not excited about spending eternity with God, then repent. Because that means you don't know what you are experiencing. You don't know the glories of God. And you don't know how much God's grace can change you if you allow it to. But everyone really worries, not necessarily so much about the how, the what will happen. But most of us worry about the when, right? The when. Here's Paul's words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It says it will come like a thief. When Jesus decides, people spend money and time, and they make money all the time by trying to say, this is when Jesus will come back. But Jesus, he said, while he was there, here on this earth in his ministry, he said, only the Father knows at that time and that point. So why would you waste your time trying to pick a date rather than being ready for the date? That's what we as a church, amen. That's what we as a church need to do is not worry about what the date is, but be ready every day as if it's the date. Because Jesus is coming back. What if it's today? What if it's today? Does a thief call or text you to schedule his appointment when he's coming to rob your house? <laughs> yeah, the government does that every April 15th. <laughs> I got a good time props on I think that's Tyler was. Yeah. I heard somebody over there. But no, a thief normally does not, right? A thief does not say, hey, I was just wondering, um, you a pretty sound sleeper? I'll come about 3 a.m. That'd be good. I'm gonna rob you blind. They, they don't do that. They absolutely don't do that. Why? Because they want to watch your house, they want to know when it's safe when you're not there, and they can come in and they can take what they want and they can get out. And so when the day of the Lord is described as a as it being like a thief coming. You will not expect it. You will not expect it. When He doesn't say when is a good time for you. He says be ready. Look at verse 3. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. They will not escape. You see, many won't expect it when it happens. But when it happens, it'll be quick, is what the example said in Scripture. 
You know, you know, you've got roughly nine months, give or take a little bit, depending on a person's pregnancy, to prepare for uh, this delivery date. But exactly when it comes is anybody's guess. You know, unless you're going to have that thing induced, but still, even still, it's like, okay, it could happen before the induction date, and you don't exactly know. So you know that it's coming, but you don't know that it's going to be quick, and when it's time, it's time. And you and I need to treat our relationship with Jesus the same way, be ready at all times. Keep that bag ready to go in the car, so to speak, spiritually. Be ready to roll and head out to be in heaven. And the way we do that is different. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And it's a little scary to think about that somehow, when we aren't expecting it, he's quickly going to come. So what do we do? We live ready. We live ready at all times to the best of our ability. We are imperfect people. We sin and we fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? Even when we sin, when we return and repent and go back to God's grace, that shows his grace and power even more. And so we don't need to hide our sin and try to act like it doesn't happen, but we need to repent. And that shows non-believers that, yes, there's still grace even when you stumble and when you sin. And so we need to live ready every time. Look at verse 4 to get more specific. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. So what are three things that we can learn from that really quickly? Be light. Be light. Do the things that light does. Shine light in your life to the people around you. Don't be like darkness. And I think most of us understand a few things, at least, what that means. But the way we find out more and more is we dig into God's word and find out what does light look like. What will my life look like as I shine light? First off, and we talk about this from time to time, you can start with something as simple as a smile. And I know we're wearing masks, but, you know, pull it down. <laughs> smile. That might be creepy, but, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But simple kindness shines light nowadays because this world is so full of anger and hatred. And so when we're simply kind to one another, that shines light. But it goes so much deeper. He also says, be awake. Be alert. Be ready. Always thinking today could be the day. Today could be the day when Jesus returns. And on that same note, he says, be sober or be clear-minded. Thinking, what opportunities do I have today? Take a look to your right and your left as you're in a store one day. And say, I wonder if that person's ready. I wonder if that person's ready. I wonder if that person's ready. And then as God gives you opportunities, how can you help them get ready? Think about when you're together with your family, your extended family. Is this person ready? Is that person ready? Be alert and looking for the opportunities that God is laying at your feet. Sometimes it's simply, and we say this enough, but I, I have to keep repeating it because we all need reminders. Tell your story. Look for opportunities to tell the story of how God has done good in your life. And people want to hear that. They need to hear that because they're looking for hope. Look at verse 8 again with me for, for the first time. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He gives two examples that are sort of pointing back to uh, the, the armor of God that we see in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. But he says the breastplate of faith and love, protect your heart. 
Protect your heart. Nothing puts out the light of a Christian quicker than allowing their heart to be impacted by this world, whether it be a sin or a discouragement. Protect your heart and put on God's armor through the word of God so that your heart is protected. And he says, the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation, protect your mind. Church, this world is trying to bombard us and invade our minds to overtake us. With so many things, it used to be that we had to, you know, especially as I hear my parents and grandparents talk, you had to go really looking to find trouble. But now trouble's piped into your house, isn't it? It's on your phone in your pocket. And you can easily get yourself in trouble allowing your mind to be clouded. And, and not even just in, you know, a lot of times our mind goes to sexual sin and immorality and all the different things that we come. And those are very real. And those, that's what I mean. But more than ever... Have you ever noticed that looking at this thing will make you believe that your neighbors hate you and you should hate them? Is that not poisoning your mind? Is that not dividing us as a nation and as a world? We as a church need to find balance. This can be a tool for the gospel, and it is, but it could be more. But it also can destroy your heart and your mind if you're not careful. One of the things I've learned is if I shut this off and I go and I interact with real people, I find out that not everybody hates each other and that people are looking for love and they're looking for hope and they want to hear the good news. And so let's protect our hearts and our minds and allow God to work through us and in us. So what do you fill your mind and your heart with? Take a second and just think about it. Take a stop of what most of your time is spent filling your heart and your mind with. Do you spend more time on Facebook or in the Bible? I, I know what the answer is for me. It's the Bible site. So I, I wish it was. I spend more time on Facebook than I do in God's Word sometimes. And I can tell the byproduct of my life. Do you spend more time on entertainment or on prayer? It seems almost our, our, our hearts have become so hard that it almost seems ridiculous that we could pray more than we watch television. But if we truly understand who we're talking to when we pray, maybe that will change our mindset so that we're ready and excited to talk to the king of the universe. The God who loves us, who sent his son to die for us. So God has given you a way to protect and prepare for his coming. So the question is, why do we ignore it? Why do we ignore it? He tells us in his word how to protect and prepare ourselves and others for his coming. Why do we ignore it? You see, God desires all of us to be saved. And if you are saved, if you have a relationship with Jesus, it's not enough because there are people right around you every day who are not and are not ready for his coming. Verse 9 through 11 says this. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants you to die and be saved. He wants you to spend eternity with him. Verse 10, who died for us, his son, his son Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing so here's a repeat of what we just saw a few verses earlier. But let me ask you this. Who are you encouraging? Do you have people that you are actively encouraging and you're praying for? Let me ask you this way. Who are you discouraging? 
In the book of Hebrews, it talks about do not give up the assembling of yourselves together. When a church gathers, and we know now it looks a little different. Some are in person and some are online. But be there. Be present. Whether you're online or in person, encourage one another. Speak up online. Encourage, hang around and talk to people. And I know we got to keep our distance and all that sort of stuff. But encourage one another. Let people see the, the glimmer in your eyes. You smile and as you ask about them and care about them. Who are you encouraging to be prepared for the coming of Jesus? Jesus. Then we also ask this question, who are you building up? Are you actively helping build up someone's faith? And you may say, well, I, I don't really know enough. I don't really know enough. It doesn't matter how much you know. You can share what you know with somebody else. That's and there's somebody coming up behind you and somebody looking up to you. And you can simply share what you know. And then that will encourage you to grow and know more. And then you can share a little bit more. Who are you building up? Don't wait to start building somebody up. Build them up. But let me ask it this way. Who are you tearing down? Who do you discourage? Who do you gossip about? Who do you put down? Who do you say backhanded comments to to make sure that you kind of hurt them? Or who do you simply just pray for their destruction when God came to save them? Encourage and build each other up in people who need to know Jesus. Build them up. This week, in the midst of all the chaos that we've experienced with COVID and political unrest and all sorts of things, and you fill in the blank with all other things that are going on, I was thinking about all the Biden haters out there. And I was thinking about all the Trump haters out there. And I was thinking about all the people haters out there. And there's so much of that going around where people just hate people who think differently than them or, or look differently than them or, or act differently than them or were raised differently than them. And then this idea just popped in my head and it seemed to resonate with a lot of people. I posted a simple statement on Facebook, but here's what I, I hope. I hope and pray that every single one of us, and when I thought of it, I was thinking about myself. I hope and pray that every single person who read it was thinking about it for themselves, not their neighbor. And this is simply what I want to type. Why would I spend my time hating someone that can't change my eternity when loving them might help change theirs? Amen. Why would I spend my time Hating someone that can't change my eternity when loving them might change theirs. That's what we have to embrace and wrap our minds around to understand. Who are you getting ready to see Jesus? Don't push anybody farther away from Jesus when we're supposed to be lifting him up so all people can be drawn to him. Who are you loving so that they can get to know Jesus, even if they're your enemy? Even if what everybody says about them is true, there's still hope for them because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we love them sacrificially, it doesn't mean that we even have to like them sometimes. But when we love them and sacrifice so that they can know Jesus, it can make an impact in their eternity. So who are you getting ready to see Jesus today? Jesus is coming back, y'all. There's no doubt about it. Jesus is coming back. But what if he came back today? Would you be ready? Would you be ready if he came back today? 
Would your spouse be ready? Would your family be ready? Would your neighbor be ready? Would the people that you bump into at the store be ready? Because that's what the church is for. To make as many people as possible ready for Jesus to come back. So let's get ready. The Bible tells us very clearly that the ultimate way that we get ready is by faith in Christ. When we believe who Jesus is and who he said he was and who he is, and we're willing to turn away, just walk away from our life of sin, call on him as Lord, we meet him in baptism. It says in Galatians 3.27 that when you're baptized, you're clothed in Christ. So it's like you, you put on Jesus. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see your old sinful self. He sees the perfect son he sent to die for you. And that, my friends, is how you get ready, is for God to see Jesus over you and on you and throughout you and in you. And that's what we need to do is get as many people as possible ready to see Jesus. What if Jesus comes back today? Will you be ready? What are you doing to get other people ready? Let's pray. Lord God, we pray for wisdom. We pray for courage. We pray for clarity to understand that you could come back at any moment, that there is nothing that has not been done that will hold you back. It's time, and it could be now. It could be 100 years, but we don't know. And how dare we be so selfish, Father, with the joys of eternity by keeping it from people who don't, they don't deserve it any more than we did, but we didn't deserve it either. But it's still for them, and it's still for us. So give us strength, Father. Help us to trust you more, to surrender every moment to you, to do what your word says, not what people tell us, but what your word says, and share that with anybody and everybody who will listen. Help us to be ready, Father. Because what if your son comes back today?